Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com, the show that's dedicated to saving you money on buying and owning a vehicle. Now, here's your host, Rick Popley. Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks, where each week we help you make smarter choices about buying and owning a vehicle and save money. Hello, everyone. I'm Rick Popley, your host and proprietor. Glad you can join us today. Many car buyers don't judge vehicles based on horsepower or fuel economy anymore. Instead, they want to know how connected the car is. By connected, they mean what can their smartphone do in their car and how can the car connect with the outside world. Cars now can link to the Internet to find the songs you want to hear, send and receive email, or get the latest weather forecast. Cars are becoming mobile devices themselves. And cars will soon become connected to each other on the road through wireless vehicle-to-vehicle communication. That will alert drivers so they can avoid accidents or even apply the brakes for them to prevent collisions. General Motors will roll out 4G LTE mobile technology in many vehicles later this year. We interviewed Phil Abram, GM's chief infotainment officer, about this new feature and how GM views connectivity in cars. Later, we will have a live interview with Jake Nelson, director of traffic safety advocacy and research for AAA, the Motor Club and Travel Services Organization. Jake will discuss the pluses and minuses of infotainment systems in vehicles, privacy questions related to connected cars, and what we need to do about all those aging baby boomers behind the wheel. But before we crank up our Pandora on our Bluetooth-enabled streaming audio system, here is this week's auto news you might be able to use. The Wall Street Journal reported Wednesday that General Motors plans to make pickup trucks with aluminum bodies by the 2019 model year to meet higher fuel economy standards and compete with Ford. Ford is introducing an aluminum F-150 pickup later this year. GM redesigned its big pickups, the Chevrolet Silverado and GMC Sierra, for 2014, and the Silverado was voted the North American Truck of the Year. However, GM's pickups are still made mainly of steel, and the current models showed only incremental improvement in fuel economy and performance. Many in the auto industry expect Ford will have significant competitive advantages when the 2015 F-150 arrives late this year. The F-150, the best-selling vehicle in the U.S., will be made with an aluminum body and high-strength steel frame. That will shave up to 700 pounds from the truck and increase fuel economy, payload, and towing capacity. We discussed the F-150 in-depth on our February 6th show. As far as aluminum for GM's pickups, GM said it could not comment on future products. Researchers at the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety say that drivers who are 70 years or older today are less likely to be involved in auto accidents than prior generations and less likely to be injured or killed if they are involved in a collision. The IIHS says older drivers are generally healthier than they were in previous generations and vehicles are safer today. That's the good news. The bad news is that drivers 70 and older are still 3.2 times more likely to die in an auto accident than someone between the ages of 35 and 54. Drivers who are 80 and older are 4.3 times more likely to die in an accident than younger drivers. As baby boomers age, the number of drivers 70 and older will increase from about 30 million today to more than 51 million by 2030 and 64 million by 2050. We will talk more about aging baby boomers behind the wheel later in the show. And that is this week's auto news you might be able to use. If you're like a growing number of drivers, you want to communicate with the outside world while you're behind the wheel. You want to talk by cell phone, send and receive texts, check email, and, for some, be able to update your Facebook status. And the car companies are burning the midnight oil to deliver more connectivity so that just about everything you can do with a smartphone or computer 
You can also do from your car or with your car, which is rapidly becoming a true mobile device. But is all this connectivity adding to driver distraction, or are automakers making infotainment systems easier to use with voice controls and touch screens on the dashboard? We will talk about that first with Phil Abram. He is the chief infotainment officer for General Motors, which is rolling out 4G mobile technology in several models later this year, joining Audi and other automakers in upping the ante on the connected car. We sat down with Phil recently at a GM event here in Chicago, and here is what he had to say. We are talking with Phil Abram, the Chief Infotainment Officer for General Motors. That's correct, Infotainment Officer. It is now a C-level position. There you go. And he is in Chicago to talk about the new uh, 4G LTE connectivity that General Motors will begin rolling out later in 2014. Phil, what what is uh, uh, GM's view of uh, digital life and people's vehicles? We really have two promises that we want to make to our consumers. The first is to help bring their digital life into the car, into the vehicle. And their digital life today is most people is represented through their smartphones. All their contacts are on there, all their personal information is on there. And, the like. and when they get into a car, they want that to work well when they're in that car because it's an extension, it's another part of their life, it's another part of their daily routine. And so we're working very hard to make sure that we accommodate all those brought-in devices. At the same time, we have a vision of bringing their vehicle into their digital life. And that requires a built-in connection to the car, where the car can communicate with you and you with the car when you're not in the car. For things like theft alert, the car needs to have ability to talk to the world outside of it. Things like being able to remote start your car on a very cold morning when you're um, maybe out of range of your key fob. That requires the car to be able to interact with you and your smartphone. And so we at General Motors are really committed to, to doing both of those things by handling brought-in devices and integrating those well and making the car a built-in connected source. But most people today carry smartphones that have a lot of capabilities mm-hmm. for navigation, communication, connectivity. Mm-hmm. What uh, what does General Motors uh, what is General Motors offering here that you can't get out of your smartphone? Well, I just gave you a couple examples of um, the ability to remote. Actually, there's a marriage of your smartphone and the vehicle that I think is, it, it makes it even more more powerful. Um, and we, we have some capabilities like being able to remote start your car on a cold day. We had over 20,000 an hour uh, remote starts of vehicles here in this past month of January. Can you guess what parts of the country that was from? Chicago by chance? Chicago was one of them for <laughs> sure. And I'm in Detroit, so we, we get your weather a day later, basically. So we could watch it right across the, the, the upper Midwest of the country. And an application that we're showing in some of the cars here, which is uh, one of them called Glimpse, uh, which allows you from the car to um, post your location and send your location to somebody, <coughs> excuse me, and let them track you. Um, that you choose that they can track you so somebody knows when you're coming to pick them up. That's very relevant to the car experience. Uh, we have vehicle health monitoring applications where the car can tell you about its condition. It can't do that with a smartphone. Now, the, uh, you're also switching from, I believe, 2G to 4G LTE service yes. in your vehicle for 2015. Yes. What's uh, the customer going to see in, as a difference? Well, with our 2G service, it was limited to what we to the OnStar subscription, which is a safety and security subscription that people are well known for the past 18 years, and we've developed a, a tremendous brand equity with people about that. What we're doing when we're going to 4G is we're jumping to a much, much higher speed connection to the car, um, broadband speeds into the vehicle. And with that, we can continue to offer that on-store service and improve it, as well as offer new services like the ability to have a Wi-Fi hotspot in your vehicle. So you're on that long road trip. You've got two kids in the back seat. They might have their iPads or tablets. Most of those that people bought, over 85% of those, don't have cellular connections. They're mostly Wi-Fi. Now you can create a Wi-Fi hotspot in the car, provide those guys some entertainment in the back seat while you're driving. That's what you can do with the 4G 
LG, LTE connection. Now, also on, on uh, many of your uh, GM's 2015 models, you'll have what you're calling an app shop, in mm-hmm. which uh, owners can choose from a suite of apps that they can download to their car. What are some of those? Well, some of the ones, um, you can put them into some broad categories, some are like media, like um, NPR, Slacker, TuneIn, which is a radio service where you can get over 90,000 radio stations in your vehicle so you can find the ones that interest to you, iHeartRadio. So we're taking the AM, FM, satellite radio experience and bringing it into the connected age. Um, the weather channel, uh, being able to find out what the weather is, and once again, unique to the car, that it can read the weather to you so you can keep your eyes on the road but still know what's going on around you when the next snow event's going to uh, hit us, if you will. Um, I mentioned about a glimpse. I mentioned about vehicle health monitoring where the vehicle can tell you now in more robust terms, not just a little light on the dashboard, what's wrong with your car and what you might need to do with it, even help you schedule an appointment with your dealer to have any issues that might be there fixed. And those are just a few of the applications. Initially, how many applications will there be and what's that going to grow to? Well, the initial, we've announced 11, I think, so far. Uh, That number is going to continue to grow over time, and we really don't have a target number, if you will. As, um, and one of the beauties of this system is, as great applications are created, and become available, we'll just populate it into the app shop, and then you as a customer can decide whether or not that one is right for you, and then download it. But these applications also have to have some relevance to the vehicle, we, the we, use of the vehicle, I guess? Well, um, they have, we, we're focusing primarily on, you know, that, that it makes sense inside of a car. We're not, we're not a smartphone on wheels. We're a car. We built cars. They have an intended purpose. Uh, and we want to make sure that the experience is relevant and appropriate for the car experience. So we care a lot about distracted driving. And so every one of these applications go through our distracted driving lab to make sure that it meets our requirements and to make sure that the, 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 they're safe for use in the vehicle. Now, the uh, the driver distraction and the safety issue has caught the attention of the others, including the United States Senator Jay Rockefeller mm-hmm. of West Virginia, who yep. last week said if the car companies don't do a better job of making these infotainment systems less distracting, he may propose regulations mm-hmm. on that. How do you respond to that? Well, um, the GM representative that was at that, that hearing uh, brought up a wonderful point. Um, and some of the very technologies uh, Senator Rockefeller is concerned with have been saving lives for the past 15 years. Oh, so. Onstar. Oh, so. He's worried about connected vehicles. OnStar has been putting connected vehicles into the marketplace for the past 15 years. And in the, those times of need, when you crash or think that's, that, that same technology is what allows the um, emergency responders to find your car and to come there with information about your crash that helps them better able to meet you in your time of need. So I believe firmly that technology is not the problem, that technology can be used to solve many of these problems, and that... Um, a way to make our clients and customers safer and make the vehicle enjoyment uh, more, you know, the vehicle more enjoyable. And and we respect what, what, what uh, Senator Rockefeller says, and we're committed to making sure that the products we put in the marketplace meet all the driver distraction guidelines and that we're a leader in that area. Going forward, there are no doubt be more infotainment features offered in vehicles. What are some of the things that you can see uh, car companies like GM doing to make them less of a distraction, more intuitive, or take less time to operate? Well, I think that um, we've done a really good job of that. And an example of where we've integrated technology to make the overall experience safer is what we did last year in working with Apple on the Series iFreeze mode. So if you use Siri uh, on your iPhone, you push the button, you talk to Siri, sometimes it gives you back information that you have to look at the screen. Right? In a car, when it knows it's in a car, and we've worked with them so that it does, when you do that and you pushes it, it'll read you information back. And if it can't read you it back and it's, it needs to show you something to be text, it'll say, sorry, I can't do this for you right now because you're in a car. And it actually blacks the screen on the phone. So there's an example of where integrating technology in the vehicle makes it safer and better than if we blocked everything in the vehicle because people would then be reaching for that phone rather than keeping their hands on the steering. Uh, it, just in, in looking at current General Motors vehicles, the dashboard screen that you provide for these uh, infotainment features, 
feature certainly is larger than the mm-hmm. screen on your smartphone. Yes. And, uh, and, and allows us to do things like um, make the buttons big so that you can glance and then put your finger on them rather than have to study the screen like you would on a smartphone. Um, that it is something that you can, and that's part of our driver distraction pattern. How big are the buttons? How much information? Even though it's a bigger screen, we actually show less information than some of the similar apps on your smartphone because you, the, 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 the interface for a smartphone is designed to draw you in, to make you pay attention to it. We, draw, we do things to make it so that you don't have to be drawn in, that you can quickly get the information you need, make your choice, and keep your eyes on the road. Thank you. Thank you. That was Phil Abram, Chief Infotainment Officer for General Motors. Welcome back to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Here's Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about driving in today's connected world in which cars are becoming mobile hotspots and, in fact, mobile devices. Joining us now is Jake Nelson, Director of Traffic Safety Advocacy and Research for AAA, the well-known travel services organization that provides motor club, insurance, and a wide range of other services. Welcome to the show, Jake. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being with us. Jake, uh, AAA was probably one of the first national organizations to express concerns about connected cars and telematics features that automakers started adding some years back. What were some of AAA's early concerns, and what do you think now that the uh, the number of features has uh, continued to grow? Uh, our primary concern with some of the technology being added to new cars in recent years was primarily around infotainment technology. Um, we are very much supportive of building in technology into the vehicle that makes, uh, that increases convenience for motorists. Uh, our concern is primarily around what that technology can allow motorists to do while the vehicle is moving versus parked safely. Uh, so an example might be uh, interacting with social media using voice commands uh, versus uh, those features being locked out while the vehicle is in motion. So that's probably, that, that is probably the best example of the types of things that were concerning to us. I believe that uh, General Motors in the Chevrolet MyLink and I think in the Hyundai Blue Link, you can update your Facebook status while driving. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think you can. And um, Senator Jay Rockefeller raised the question recently, do you really need to do that? That's exactly how we feel at AAA. Um, you know, there are tasks that are more closely related to the need to drive that might be a good idea to allow motorists to do or to accomplish using voice commands. So an example might be uh, to adjust the radio, the temperature in the vehicle, or adjust GPS navigation using a short voice command versus, you know, manipulating knobs or technology in the car manually. Um, However, doing things like updating your Facebook status or reading and responding to emails or text messages while driving are uh, examples of tasks that AAA simply feels have no uh, place in the vehicle while the vehicle is in motion in terms of what we want technology to allow drivers to do. Right, but uh, uh, some vehicles have that uh, those capabilities now. Others probably will. Once the genie is out of the bottle... How do you get it back in, or can you? Well, I mean, I think that that technology is is changing rapidly right now. Certainly, uh, there will be new bells and whistles added, new things that you can do using these systems. Uh, certainly, with uh, you know some of the work that Apple is doing, working with some of the automakers, soon we'll be able to see you know the apps that we have on our iPhones. Uh, in our cars, uh, many of which have nothing to do whatsoever with the core task of driving. And so these are the types of things that have raised our interest, and it's why we've been so vocal uh, on Capitol Hill and with uh, you know the auto industry and with the consumer electronics industry, et cetera, just to sort of raise the issue, try to open a dialogue, try to get the community of stakeholders to be a little bit more thoughtful about the design of these technologies uh, and how we allow motorists to interact with them while they're moving down the road. 
Now, I, I believe you caught part of the interview with uh, Phil Abram of General Motors, and uh, he uh, talked about that, too. That there's, they're, they're trying to come up with uh, apps that are appropriate to being in a vehicle, and in another conversation, he said one of the things they will not do is uh, facilitate ex- you know, getting on Twitter while you're driving. You said that just is not part of the mix. So at least, you know, uh, General Motors on the surface is saying that we are trying to provide things that would be useful to people inside a vehicle. But w- when you bring a smartphone in or you open up uh, this technology to whatever is out there, how do you stop people from doing social media or or just, I mean, uh, the, the idea of uh, Pandora, the music uh, service, online music service, where you can con- uh, continuously pick your own music. Uh, it, it's, it's your going out on the Internet and, um, and finding exactly what you want to listen to while you're driving. Yeah, I mean, our concern at AAA rests primarily with the fact that these technologies presumably make it much easier for motorists to engage in these types of tasks. Uh, they make it easier and give the public uh, the, the understanding that or the impression that it is safer to use their voice command technology than it is uh, to use your phone. Um, and the problem with that type of statement or uh, the problem with giving consumers that impression is that we don't necessarily know that it's safer. Um, on the one hand, is it better to have your hands on the wheel and your eyes on the road? Absolutely. On the other hand, sometimes our mind isn't always focused on the task of driving, and you could be driving down the road looking straight ahead, miss a stop sign, miss your exit, miss a red light, because your mind was focused on something else. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, we, can, we can't control some of where our mind can go in terms of, you know, struggles that we're going through personally or a bad day at work or whatever. Uh, on the other hand, we don't want our mind focused on interacting with social media, trying to book a movie reservation, those types of things. And so as we learn more about cognitive distraction, in other words, what our mind is doing, mental distraction, uh, and how that impacts your driver, a driver's performance and therefore crash risk, we ought to maybe slow down a little bit in terms of what we allow drivers to do while the vehicle is in motion. That's not to say that we should... Um, slow down at all in terms of of all the capabilities that this technology can uh, provide to consumers, to motorists mm-hmm. in the car itself. It's just when the car is moving down the road, a lot of those technologies probably should be shut down or locked out from use by the driver. Which uh, I think that capability exists. It exists Absolutely. now. You, you can't on most cars or uh, you can't uh, choose a destination for your navigation system while the vehicle is in motion. Right. So the, certainly the capability is there. It's a matter of, of of setting standards that industry will agree to, standards that are reasonable, uh, standards that will protect people. And we're in the process now of learning more about what those standards should be, what, should the, what the parameters should be. For example, uh, the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety currently is uh, wrapping up some research to look at this very problem, to look at how they might develop a blueprint for uh, industry to use when designing these sorts of technology platforms for use by motorists while driving. So an example might be uh, the complexity of the menus that are navigated using voice commands, Mm. Uh, the extent to which that matters in terms of how distracting it is and how it might affect your performance as a driver. Yeah, excuse me, uh, Jake, but uh, I don't think they're by no means uniform. Exactly. The, the commands used in one car will not work in another. That is exactly the problem. Right. And and also, you know, when you layer on top of that the fact that sort of the complexity of those menu systems are different from one make and model mm-hmm. to the other. And so another example might be um, the fidelity of voice recognition software. So sometimes if you've ever used any of these systems, you can uh, dictate a message and it may or may not get that message correct. And so one of the things that we've learned in our research is while the technology is meant to allow you to keep your hands on the wheel and your eyes on the road and practice in the real world. People dictate these messages and they still look away from the roadway to verify that the message was recorded correctly. And many times it is not. And so then there's the frustration that motorists feel of it not having worked correctly, having to edit it or re-record it, those types of things. And so we're trying to understand 
you know, how, how high does the fidelity need to be before it no longer becomes an issue in terms of cognitive distraction or mental distraction. So those are the types of things that we're looking at in our research right now, and that is information that is useful to industry across the board right now, regardless of what tasks we allow drivers to do while driving or not. It's making that technology safer anyway. And so that is the type of discussion that we're looking forward to have with, in, have with members of industry uh, in the coming months. We're talking with Jake Nelson of AAA about driving in a connected world. And, and you know, the point you just uh, brought up about there not being uniformity in the uh, instructions or the menus, it uh, is interesting that in uh, computers, many, you know, if you take a Windows computer, the many of the commands are really the same. There, there is a uniformity that kind of developed in that system over time. That is correct. And, you know, in, in the research that we've done, we've, uh, you know, noticed that not only are these systems not created equal uh, generally, but, you know, when you look at different makes and models, even within a given automaker, like even among Ford cars, for example, uh, from one uh, model to the next, these systems work in some ways very differently. And so, uh, you know, that is a struggle. People uh, are struggling with this. It's hard to provide guidance when it may not, it may apply in some cases and not in others. So, you know, seeking a little bit of uniformity, uh, making the technology safer across the board for motors to use. And then the third uh, important thing to do will be to have, um, you know, difficult conversations surrounding uh, the types of tasks that drivers should be able to engage in while driving and the types of tasks that should only uh, be engaged in when the vehicle is stopped. You know, you brought up uh, Ford, and they're, they're an interesting case because they are one of the leaders in um – touchscreen technology and voice recognition, and it is one of the big selling points. It's one of the reasons people say, this is why I bought a Ford, you know, car or truck, because they have these features, yet it's also perhaps the biggest source of complaints uh, within Ford vehicles. It's about the voice recognition not working well or the touchscreens not working well. Correct. And so, uh, and part of the frustration for us is if you've seen some of the marketing, some of the ads tend to sort of center around this type of technology, I mean, it very clearly tells the consumer that, you know, it's safer to use this system um, because your hands can be on the wheel and your eyes can be on the road. In practice, what we've learned, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, is that uh, there are no systems currently on the market that are completely hands and eyes free. Huh. In other words, at some point in right. the use of the technology, you have to look at at the system, and you have to manipulate it manually. Right. Uh, and so it's a little misleading, that advertising. And certainly uh, we know from the research that we've done is that it is not risk-free. Right. And when We have to take another break here, but when we come back, I just want to continue that thought. And uh, please stay with us as we continue our discussion with Jake Nelson of AAA about driving in a connected world. Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking about driving in a connected world and what that means for driver distractions, safety, and the future. My guest is Jake Nelson, Director of Traffic Safety Advocacy and Research for the AAA Motor Club and Travel Services Organization. If you have a question or comment, the phone lines are open. You can join the conversation by calling 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Jake, just before the break, uh, you were talking about how at some point with these uh, uh, infotainment systems that have voice uh, uh, recognition, at a certain point, you have to start using a control. And I have noticed in, in current cars that increasingly those controls are a touch point on a screen, not a knob or a button. And the other, another thing I've noticed is that sometimes those touch points don't work. You can put your finger right on them and they don't react. Well, there's that. And then there's, uh, the challenge in finding, uh, <clears throat> You know, what you're looking for that are relatively simple things. I mean, I've rented a car before for, you know, on a business trip, 
uh, and before pulling out of you know the rental agency parking lot, struggled for 15 minutes using the touchscreen to just to try to change the normal radio station. Oh I was, yes, I was kind of lost in in uh, you know all the internet radio stations, and I just wanted the local radio station. So um, you know what's scary is is to imagine somebody doing that while driving down the road. Right. Uh, uh, I, I recently drew. Excuse me. I recently drove a, a new Jeep Cherokee that to uh, access. The uh, uh, preset radio stations, find your favorite station, three touches of the screen. Right. And that's when you know where to go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Another, it's around here, we have so many potholes, you go down the street, you know, you take aim at a certain point on the screen, you hit a little bump and you're going to hit something else. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're on the wrong page. But uh, this is the way it's going. I mean, it's going with more touchscreens because they can do so many more things in the same space rather than having, you know, 50 or 60 buttons. But, uh, right, absolutely. And, I mean, I think it's worth acknowledging that, you know, obviously the automakers are, aren't are doing this to try to make things complicated. They're not trying to leave their customers frustrated, but they are trying to increase sort of the convenience and, uh, you know, the number of things that uh, you can do in your car as, you know, the new owner of, a, you know, a new automobile that they're selling. And so the, I think the challenge is, is finding the balance between sort of the convenience that you're trying to afford your customer and, uh, you know, the simplicity with which and how usable uh, these technologies can be. And, and it goes without saying how safe they leave you as a motorist driving down the road. Right now, the uh, the race is so intense to be, you know, the first or the next with the latest features is that, I mean, the, the, the car companies are afraid that they're going to fall behind if they don't uh, uh, surpass their their competitors. Right. And we've, we've referred to it as an arms race. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, in previous interviews and whatnot and communicating about this topic. And, um, you know, I think that's understandable, certainly, but... Um, doesn't mean that we shouldn't also at the same time concurrently be uh, working, you know, very diligently to be more thoughtful about how we design these technologies, you know, the tasks that we allow drivers to engage in while the vehicle is moving, uh, those types of things. And, and to, you know, and if we don't know the answers, then we ought to be conservative because these are lives that we're, that we're gambling with here. And, you know, and until we know that something is safe, maybe we reserve, uh, you know, that bell, that whistle. Uh, for use by motorists when the car is in park. The uh, AAA, I believe, has more than 50 million uh, members nationally. So you have some heft, I would think, with uh, with automakers and, and, and legislators. But how do you communicate with, with car companies, for example, what your concerns are? Well, you know, uh, last June is when we published and promoted uh, some pretty significant landmark research looking at uh, mental or cognitive distraction in the vehicle as it relates to these infotainment systems. And, you know, before our news release was dropped, before we spoke to any of the media, we did a series of briefings, not only with uh, car companies, but with the Consumer Electronics Association and with, you know, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the National Transportation Safety Board, et cetera, uh, to brief them on our research, on the findings, answer questions that they had, because our interest was in being able to come out, communicate to our members, to consumers, to the American public, standing shoulder to shoulder with, you know, the interested stakeholders with, uh, you know, an acknowledgement of a potential problem and some sort of a strategy or at least a commitment to try to address it. Um, certainly, the federal agencies were very appreciative. Uh, some of the automakers also very appreciative. Uh, you know, others uh, weren't so happy. Uh, mm. This obviously complicates the, you know, complicates things for them. Uh, and so, support varied uh, among parties. But we're, you know, we're confident that as we move forward and get ready to ramp up to uh, uh, promote phase two of this work. Um, we plan, again, to do the same thing, to reach out to all of the same groups and to brief them in advance of our news release dropping and in advance of all our media uh, promotion of the findings and let them know what we're doing. Again, invite them to work with us. Uh, we're just trying to be an honest broker here. We're trying to collaborate. We're trying to get folks to work with us. Um, 
and you know the best that we can do is to continue to sort of stay true to that commitment and keep the lines of communication open and welcome you know the participation by all stakeholders uh, in round two if, even if they weren't ready to collaborate in round one. When would uh, you expect to have something in this phase two? Probably middle of this year, uh, June, July, August. Okay. Uh, we're still trying to n- nail that down as the research is finalized. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, we will still reach out to all the stakeholders in advance of any sort of uh, public-facing uh, outreach and promotion and brief them and give them a chance to digest it and to think through it and to determine how they want to work with us. We're talking with Jake Nelson of AAA about driving in a connected world and uh there's a different kind of connected car coming. It's one that's vehicle-to-vehicle communication, which cars will be connected wirelessly uh, by uh, systems that will allow them to communicate their position, how fast they're going, and uh, you know alert drivers and even stop the vehicles to prevent accidents. How much promise does AAA see in this uh, technology? In the... The vehicle-to-vehicle communication type of technology? Yes. Uh, I mean, great potential here. Uh, obviously, that type of technology can do a variety of things. Um, you know, not only does that technology allow vehicles to communicate with each other, but it allows vehicles to communicate with infrastructure, like uh, traffic signals, uh, different points uh, along interstate highways and, uh, you know, heavily traveled roads. And what's exciting about that is a couple things. So uh, one example might be EMS. If they're, you know, if somebody is in trouble and they need, um, you know, an ambulance, fire truck, whatever, uh, to reach them to provide some sort of medical treatment to transport them to a hospital, emergency room, or trauma center, uh, this type of technology can uh, communicate with the vehicles traveling the roadways, also communicate with the infrastructure and time uh, signaling such that it expedites the movement of EMS through traffic patterns uh, to get them to uh, where they need to go as quickly as possible, and then also to get that patient back to the emergency room as quickly as possible. That's very exciting. You've probably heard of the golden hour before. Uh, people get treatment. If they are injured seriously within that first hour, their odds of surviving that injury go way up. And ah. this is one example of how technology can help us accomplish that goal. So for uh, those that are asleep at the wheel, figuratively speaking, and don't hear the sirens or see the uh, ambulance behind them, something will jab them in the ribs to move over? <laughs> well, it would time the signals and, and, and whatnot to allow us to get through intersections without having to slow down and just hoping that nobody uh, crosses the intersection. Uh, you know, other exciting things that this technology will allow to happen uh, will be to reduce traffic congestion, mm-hmm. uh, which in, in return uh, helps to improve air quality. Uh, also will help, you know, increase the efficiency by which we move uh, goods products and goods uh, around our interstate system. Um, And then also on the safety side, uh, if you are traveling down a road and there is a a traffic crash, you know, six or seven cars up, this technology, uh, you know, allows cars obviously to communicate with one another and you will get a notice in your vehicle uh, that there is a crash up ahead uh, before you even notice the brake lights in front of you, Hmm. which is important. It will help you stop in time, maybe even help you uh, divert onto a different roadway uh, to avoid, uh, you know, the collision scene altogether. Uh, so very exciting stuff. As you probably know, the largest pilot of that technology in the entire world is in the Ann Arbor area in Michigan. Uh, they're doing some pretty exciting work over there with some funding from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Uh, you know, 3,000 cars, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's right. They're working with car companies, with state and local government, uh, you know, the automakers, et cetera. So it's some pretty exciting stuff. Hmm. Now, in in both the cases of this vehicle-to-vehicle communication and uh, just the you know the internet, uh, the infotainment connectivity, does AAA have privacy concerns? Because when you do that, when when you you're opening yourself up to uh, other people besides the ones you intended to, right? Well, you know, we're concerned, I mean, with any technology, especially this type of technology, we're concerned with sort of the security of the information and of the technology. And and just like with computers, um, you know, these systems uh, are at risk of being hacked. And Hmm. so, um, you know, obviously the the work, the research that is going into the exciting work uh, 
happening in the Ann Arbor area. You know, this is one of many things that, that they're learning more about and that they're studying to make sure that before this technology becomes prime time, that these are things that have been addressed and controlled for uh, and uh, would provide us a little bit of confidence when we communicate to the American public about uh, the risks uh, involved in in the use of this technology, et cetera. So certainly important things that, uh, you know, the good people working on this research in Ann Arbor are well aware of and are working diligently to address. Do you uh, foresee that, that this vehicle-to-vehicle communication would have a significant impact on accident rates? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, it... it there's only so much technology can do to save people from themselves. So, <laughs> uh, so it's not. I like the way you put that. <laughs> it's not going to solve the problem, but certainly will have a huge positive impact on, you know, life saved, uh, injuries prevented, crashes prevented. Uh, if somebody is impaired by drugs or alcohol and driving down the road, uh, obviously these are not people who would be able to respond to the notifications and whatnot. Uh, that this technology provides to you anyway. And so those are not people that we can really count uh, on benefiting from this type of technology. But, you know, a non-impaired driver traveling down the road has a lot of uh, benefit to gain from this technology. So there's certainly a huge safety benefit and this technology becoming more mainstream. Okay, we uh, we have to pause here for one more break, Jake. When we come back, I'd like to talk to you about the aging baby boomers. So when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jake Nelson of AAA about driving in a connected world. This is Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Back to Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is Jake Nelson, Director of Traffic Safety Advocacy and Research for the AAA Motor Club and Travel Services Organization. We're talking about driving in a connected world and related issues. If you have a question or comment, call us at 888-463-6748. Again, that is 888-463-6748. Jake, another topic I wanted to talk to you about is the aging baby boomer generation. As this group, which numbers more than 70 million, gets older, it will mean that the number of drivers age 70 and older will more than double to 64 million by 2050. I know that AAA and some others refer to this as the silver tsunami. How is it going to affect driving and traffic safety in the U.S.? Uh, well, it, it's remained to be, it, it remains to be seen, but one thing that I can tell you without hesitation is that uh, older drivers are actually among the safest drivers on the road. And that mm. may sound counterintuitive, but it's true. Uh, the stories that we hear about dangerous older adult drivers uh, usually involve somebody who has a medical impairment of some kind or is impaired by the medications they, tra- they take to treat a medical impairment that they have. Uh, and so it's either uh, the health condition, the medications that they take to treat it, or the combination of the two that puts them at risk behind the wheel. It's not the number of birthdays that they've had in their lifetime. Uh, now, now, earlier in the show, during the news section, uh, I mentioned a uh, study by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety that said that drivers 70 and older today are less likely to be involved in auto accidents and prior generations less likely to be hurt or killed. But... That's still the case is that when you're seven, for those 70 and older, they are 3.2 times more likely to die in an auto accident than someone between the ages of 35 and 54. That's true, and that's because as we age, we're less able to withstand the forces of a crash and therefore less likely to survive mm. our injuries. Uh, so, you know, younger people are stronger and uh, more resilient than older adults are who have, you know, Bones that are more brittle, uh, just fragility and frailty that that, uh, puts them at higher risk for injury and makes it tougher for them to recover. So uh, what does a triple A advocate or or what do you offer uh, senior drivers to cope with their aging? Well, we have probably way more than we can cover in this segment. (laughs) I'll just highlight a few 
great resources that we have for folks. Um, medications and driving is a, a huge challenge for older adults. Uh, uh-huh. So we, we have a program that's free. It's available to everyone. You don't have to be a AAA member to use it. Uh, it's called RoadWise Rx, and you can uh, reach it and use it if you go to AAA.com slash RoadWise Rx. Uh, this is sort of an online interactive tool which allows you to enter in all the medications that you take, both prescriptive and over-the-counter. Uh, you can submit it, and what it will do is it will flag for you uh, all of the the side effects of the of the medications that you're taking, or the side effects of certain interactions of the drugs that you're taking if you take more than one that could affect your driving and how it could affect your driving. And so the call to action there is to print off the results and take it to your healthcare provider or your local pharmacist uh, and do sort of a review of your medications, what the risks are that have been flagged here, and see if there are some things that can be done to help uh, mitigate those risks. So some of the options might be to change the medication that you're on. Mm. It could be to change the dosing of your medication, or it could be uh, to change the timing of your medication as you take it each day uh, so that it doesn't affect with your ability to drive and remain mobile. Are there driver training uh, or refresher courses that uh, would be good for seniors to, to do? Absolutely. I mean, as I'm sure that you can appreciate the rules of the road, uh, the cars that we drive and the roads themselves are very different today than they were when people who are 65 today learned how to drive for the first time. And so one of the great things about uh, driver refresher courses is it reminds everyone and, and updates them on the new rules of the road, gives them lots of tips on how to avoid uh, potentially dangerous situations and can, for many people, uh, increase their confidence behind the wheels compared to before they took the course. And obviously, in some states, depending on where you live, there's an insurance discount for you, too, which isn't a bad perk. Hmm. Now, earlier in the show, you mentioned, used the phrase uh, that uh, there's a limit to how much technology can save us from ourselves. Uh, I Maybe I'm just uh, missing something, but I don't see or hear a lot of uh, effort by organizations such as the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, or others, on driver training. They seem to put um, most of their hopes in technology as uh, for reducing accidents and, and deaths and injuries. Should there, should there be more emphasis on driver training? Um, well, I mean, you know, driver training, that's an interesting question. There's been a lot of research into, you know, what the impact of driver training is in terms of, uh, of crash risk and life saved and that kind of thing. And it's really hard uh, to measure uh, or to study it and to measure differences in crashes and whatnot. So, I mean, certainly it's important to know the rules of the road. So that's a benefit to taking driver, driver's education, driver training. Um, uh, obviously, there are practical skills and abilities, especially if there's on-road training that accompanies the classroom portion, uh, that is very beneficial. Um, I think research has shown that traffic citations um, have gone down among people who've participated in driver training courses compared to those who haven't, which is great. Um, and there has been some research that has shown even uh, more recently that uh, people who participate in driver training courses um, actually are less likely to get into a crash as compared to those who aren't, although the magnitude of that positive effect is very small. Um, so uh, certainly no harm to taking driver training, uh, some very obvious benefits to taking it. But when we're trying to... Um, reduce the the number of people killed in traffic crashes each year, and we know that hovers around 30,000 uh, lives lost each year uh, currently, uh, that we're looking for uh, research-based, evidence-based, highly effective programs. And, you know, I would say that, um, that NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, does do a lot of really interesting and, and positive work on the human behavior side. It's not necessarily driver training, mm-hmm. um, do a lot of public outreach and education, uh, click it or ticket campaigns, high visibility enforcement campaigns around uh, drunk driving, around seatbelt use, and other things. So, I mean, these are all human behavior or behavioral highway safety, as we call it, uh, initiatives that um, are are saving lives and are managed primarily by that agency. So, uh, maybe just uh, not as high profile and harder to credit to the agency, but they are doing some good work there. Uh, we are talking with Jake Nelson, director of Traffic Safety Advocacy and Research for the AAA Motor Club and Travel Services Organization. So is it fair to say that there is greater potential for uh, reducing uh, automotive accidents and deaths with technology than there is with driver training? 
I think it's more difficult to to expect that we will uh, save lives and reduce crashes through changing human behavior as compared to, hmm. uh, you know, the engineering of the roadway, the engineering of cars, and uh, the use of technology. Um, you know, those are, are things that are are easier to do and to sort of measure the impact directly attributable to them um, as compared to, uh, you know, changing human behavior. I mean, an example unrelated to traffic safety that I could give you, I mean, my background is in public health. I've worked in health departments uh, before, and so just think about smoking and trying to kick that habit. That is a human behavior issue there. You have to change human behavior in order to uh, reap the benefits of no longer smoking and living longer, et cetera. And anyone who smoked can attest to how challenging uh, kicking that habit can be if you've tried. Uh, and so the same would be true um, on the behavioral highway safety time our, our side to not drive as fast, to remember to buckle your seatbelt, those types of things. So uh, it's not a reason not to try, and certainly we are, and we have been successful. Um, but as uh, we start to lower those numbers, the people who continue to not wear their seatbelt, the people who continue to drink and drive, and the people who continue to speed are going to be the toughest nuts to crack. Uh, and so that's why you see uh, more effort today as compared to in previous years, uh, focusing on technology and on engineering the roadway and on building safer cars. Adrian Lund, the uh, president of the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, said recently of the vehicle-to-vehicle communication is that that's, those systems will be attentive all the time, and you can't say that about most drivers. This is true. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> well, uh, Jake Nelson, thank you very much for being with us today and uh, sharing your thoughts on the connected world and, and other driving issues. You bet. It was fun. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. I appreciate your, your time and your, your help with this. You bet. Take care. That was Jake Nelson, Director of Traffic Safety Advocacy and Research for the AAA Motor Club and Travel Services Organization. And that is about all the time we have for this week's episode of Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. Next week, my guest will be John Davis, host of the Motor Week television show uh, seen on public broadcasting stations. Motor Week has been on the air since 1981, and John has been the host all that time. John will talk about the state of the auto industry, what he likes and doesn't like about today's cars, and what he sees about driving in the future. That's next week on Cars, Trucks, and Bucks here on Talk Zone Radio. Until then, please visit my website, carstrucksandbucks.com, for news updates, vehicle reviews, and information about future shows. Thanks again to today's guests, Phil Abram of General Motors and Jake Nelson of AAA. And thanks to you for listening. This is Rick Popley saying be careful out there and watch out for the other guy. So long, everyone.